The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Hello, everyone. It's week three of our The Geek Skeezers and Googleization show on W4CY.com and iHeartRadio. Welcome back. I'm your host, Ira Wolf, along with my co-host, Keith Compagna. Uh, we have a great show today. Uh, we got a timely topic. We'll be talking about the Me Too movement. Uh, it's a little over a year old and uh, lots to talk about. Our guests are going to be Rebecca Weaver and Nicolette Hawking from HR Uprise. And uh, we're going to be talking about how the Me Too movement is changing AR, HR, not AR, but maybe it's changing AR too, but uh, how Me Too is changing HR. Uh, but maybe it's HR should be changing because of Me Too. So we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, remember, we're live and our lines are open at 561-623-9429. That's 561-623-9429. Uh, first, let's do a quick recap of the past week. Uh, I just got back uh, early this morning, uh, very early this morning, uh, from the Southwest HR Conference. It was a great conference. Um, South, it's uh, held. It was held in Fort Worth, and it's one of the, uh, I think it's the second or maybe the third largest uh, conference in the country behind the Sherm Group. I uh, spoke yesterday on the recruiting in the age of Googleization. Uh, it felt good. The room was full response from participants was uh, really overwhelming. Uh, the session was followed by a book signing. Thanks uh, thanks to Sherm for doing that. And I met quite a few vendors and sponsors who had some great offerings and lots of new ideas. Uh, and we'll be sharing those uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, a few of them might will even be guests. And speaking of busy weeks, uh, Keith, uh, you're on the road too. I think you're still on the road. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm calling in from Kissimmee, Florida right now. The EREs are about to wrap up. And I got here on Monday, had a couple presentations in front of the Talent Board annual candy event. And it's, it's wild to see how many people are really starting to bend their ear towards the different ways that uh, businesses can grow. We had some there are fantastic speakers here. Uh, listened to a fantastic speaker this morning on diversity and inclusion. Uh, they, they do a very good job down here. And I'm curious, Ira, what are some of the takeaways that you have from maybe not on the recruitment side, but on the HR side in general? What did you, what did you find out? What did we learn? Well, obviously, technology is is huge. I mean, it's you know, from vendor to vendor, there's just things that are, are going on. Uh, certainly, a lot of the topics. That's why I was excited about today's topic about Mean Too. There was a couple people um, talking about similar things. Uh, you know, that certainly has to do with diversity and inclusion. You know, I've been around for uh, I've been in this business for 24 years, but I've been in business for you know almost well too long. Um, and you know, ever since the beginning. Um, we've been talking about diversity, inclusion, harassment, uh, communication, getting along. So, you know, as much as things change, uh, sometimes they don't change at all. <laughs> uh, but mm-hmm. uh, 
but the, yeah, it, I, again, you know, from, from everywhere, from new assessments, uh, there wasn't a lot of, um, interesting enough, there was uh, one or, t- I think there were three companies that had ATS, you know, applicant tracking software. Um, you know, one, one of them was one that uh, we represent, and the other two were actually the back end to it. So it was interesting. There wasn't a lot of uh, ATS. Probably there's probably more uh, at your conference uh, and some of the other conferences I've been to, but there wasn't a lot of technology. Uh, there was there was more of you know what what I keep talking about is putting the H back in HR, uh, you know, putting the trying to keep mm-hmm. the human aspect to it. And that's a lot of what I see. I'm thrilled to have Nicolette and Rebecca on the call with us today because I know that that's where they're exclusively focusing on, and that is to make change real inside of HR. But the, the key element that I kept seeing and hearing from, from whether or not be somebody stopping by the job by booth or somebody speaking is this notion of we've got to change the way we view the world and what a department best can do that other than HR. And there's a lot of seemingly uh, almost like a revolution of the human element getting put back in. And I'm, I'm kind of curious. I'd love to hear about with uh, Nicolette and Rebecca. And you think because – there's no time like the present, but it's always been like this in HR. It seems you certainly, you have a, a more than a couple of years on me in terms of having these kind of conversations. Uh, it, it's really fascinating to, to see where this momentum is starting to go, because as we've talked about in the earlier shows, where are you going to get the people? If you want your company to grow, there's a, a lot of challenges that are at play here. And inherently HR is at the center of the storm. Yeah, no, and and well, and you're talking about good people. I mean, that's that's part of the challenge. I can't tell you how many times people said, you know, we we, we put a job posting and our problems not getting applicants. Uh, we'll get a hundred or two hundred applicants, but out of that, there may only be one or two that seem to fit our culture or get it. And and you know, there's a lot of things that go into that, but uh, certainly, yeah, and you know, go ahead. Well, well, to today we had a a a, a tall speaker. Um, Torin Tolan Tolan Ellis, he uh, came in and talked about DNI diversity and inclusion, and the idea that you might think that you have a pipeline problem, but where how are you coming to terms with the idea that there is a massive amount of minorities that are out there that are eager to get involved? How are you marketing? How are you growing the community? Mm-hmm. How are you attracting them? And the further down the rabbit hole you go, the more you see that the old processes just simply will not do. And yep. now we find ourselves in a place where HR, for all of its wonder, they tend to lag behind. So, yeah. So I, I think you've, you've teed it up pretty well. Um, and we, we do have Rebecca and Nicolette on the line. Uh, just a little bit of a, a brief background. I'm going to have them explain a little bit more about what their company does because it's got a, it's got a great name. I had to look at it a couple of times, but it's HR Uprise. So uh, we'll definitely get into that. Uh, Rebecca is the head of uh, People and Culture at uh, Rational Interaction. Uh, She's got a a wide range of experience. I'm not going to go into all the details there. Uh, We'll post uh, their bios up on the website uh, once once we're done. Um, But, uh, you know, she's working uh, for, as I said, Rational Interaction, one of Seattle's largest independent creative agencies and consultancies. And what I, kind of the interesting part, longtime critic of status quo HR. Uh, so that certainly fits into, into into what we're talking about today. And then we've got uh, Nicolette Hawking, 
15 years of uh, professional experience uh, in leadership roles, multiple Fortune 500 companies, uh, and nonprofits. And, uh, you know, Nicolette says, describes herself as the black sheep in the HR industry. And, uh, Nicolette, I certainly can embrace that as I describe myself as the millennial and the baby boomer body. Um, so, hey, let's bring uh, Rebecca and Nicolette on and uh, hey, t- both introduce yourself and tell us uh, a little bit about HR Uprise. Absolutely. Thanks so much. So yeah, this is Rebecca. Um, You covered the background well. I've worked in HR for close to 20 years now, um, both for huge companies and then also with startups. And as I looked back through my experience, one of the things that was a pretty consistent theme was this idea of disruptive HR. And disruptive is a buzzword that's thrown around a lot these days. Um, But for me, it was that um, I always felt like I had a little bit different view on what our role should be in HR. I love the business of it. I love the the fact that we are a really critical role um, within the business and helping to drive the business forward. And yet, I think uh, within the profession, there's far too much uh, focus on things that, at the end of the day, I'm not sure really matter. Um, I think that we, we tend to focus on... Uh, becoming what I call the shiny, happy HR people, um, and or really losing sight of what matters. And so that really, um, in the wake of Me Too reemerging last year, just over a year ago, Nicolette and I started a lot of conversations with each other about where is where we're seeing times up form, you know, and we see within the entertainment industry some really powerful people are being held to account. Um, and we're looking at each other saying, where is this in business? Where do we see business leaders standing up saying, no more, time's up. Um, the status quo is no longer acceptable. So that was really the genesis for us in starting HR Uprise. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, where did it actually, I guess the name says it all of itself, HR Uprise. So you're, you're, you're going to be the revolutionary force in, in HR. Is that the goal? Well, we certainly hope to be uh, one of the big drivers. Um, The more that we have this conversation, you know, where is this in in business, the more that we really recognize that there is a role within most of business um, and there is a profession that has a huge opportunity to really play a really critical role in helping to drive business forward, um, especially when it comes to the culture, when it comes to eradicating uh, sexism and racism in the workplace and, and things that are so critical that this Me Too conversation has brought about, and yet this is the same profession that we feel also needs a reckoning, um, that this is a really critical time for us to take a look inward and say it's important for us to recognize that we have been complicit, we've been part of the problem, um, and in order for us to be able to move forward, we think it's really critical for us to recognize that and call it out. So, uh, what, so what's the reception been? I mean, you, you've got the name out there. You've obviously got a background. You got a great message. Um, you know, how are you when, when you bring this up? Uh, I assume you're you're in a lot of conversations. What's the reception on the business side to you? Well, it's Nicolette here. Um, I've got to tell you that we put it out there first just as a social channel, and uh, Rebecca likes to say we kind of put it out there as a test balloon, and. 
it was instantaneously uh, a mobilization of what I like to say all the black sheep in HR, um, which was really refreshing for us to see. I think the other thing that we weren't expecting because we truly were focusing on, again, what we thought was this HR audience and how they needed to mobilize in this area. But what we saw is a, is a huge um, influx of employees reaching out to us saying, can you talk to my HR department? Can you talk to my CEO? Can you talk to our senior, senior leadership team? We need this thought leadership within our organization. And that to us, just showed us that what we're doing is so needed. If that doesn't tell you that HR needs to change, I don't know what else does. Yeah, and I, I... Interesting. Oh, go ahead, Keith. Oh, sorry. So, yeah, we're all from different locations Yeah, today, this is the everyone. first time, so yes. <laughs> so my curiosity is, do you think, and I know that you're, you know, you're just getting started here, um, do you think that the challenge is sitting in the HR leadership or is it just leadership in general in terms of really setting the agenda for this kind of... Uh, change? I think it's both. I think you can't, I, I think, don't think they're mutually exclusive, right? That's, that's, you have to combine them together. I think with any type of power dynamic, which is where HR somewhat sits, if you look at this uh, patriarchal systematic power dynamic that we're all talking about now, um, that researched with this Me Too movement, it's the same thing within HR. Um, we need to look at that power dynamic that HR sits within its leadership team and who they report up to. Um, but you're absolutely right when it comes to leadership also playing a, when I say leadership, leadership at all levels, but specifically senior leadership playing this uh, large role in activism and speaking out for what the company believes in and taking a stand on it. So HR absolutely plays a role, um, but leadership in general has a responsibility. We, we like to say um, that you don't have the right to, right to remain silent any longer, um, and that's true of everyone in any role that they play, but specifically leadership for setting the direction for their company. I think one other thing that we um, have really looked at, especially for, for HR being our audience, is that there's been a lot of talk, and especially as Me Too resurfaced and the conversation grew this collective consciousness, um, one of the things that was discussed over and over again was this role of HR. Well, don't go to, we heard over and over again, don't go to HR if you are harassed in the workplace. Um, HR's job is solely to protect the company with this idea that that had to be the, to the exclusion of the safety of individual employees. And one of the big components of our message is that HR actually has far more power than they realize. Um, and at minimum is far less powerless than we're given credit for. And again, that's something that really has to start from within, um, a recognition that we really do have much more control than um, is being portrayed or that we even see for ourselves at times. Hey, uh, we're coming up on a break here. We got to thank our sponsors, uh, Success Performance Solutions and Jobvite. Uh, you'll be hearing from them in just a minute or two. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to be uh, continue our talk with uh, Rebecca Weaver and uh, Nicolette Hawking from uh, HR Uprise. We're talking about the Me Too movement and HR and the role. We got a lot to talk about. And uh, when we come back, we're certainly going to talk about next week's uh, or what was happening just in the last few weeks with uh, the Me Too movement and uh, sexual harassment, uh, which was on center stage. So uh, we'll hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back.
Behind everything you're searching for is something you're actually looking for. When you search with the real Yellow Pages, you get more than a contractor. You get a whole new curb appeal. It's not just getting directions to a dry cleaner with YP.com. It's rescuing an old favorite from the back of the closet. And it's more than finding a locksmith with YP.com on your mobile. It's getting to sleep in your own bed. Whatever it might be, there are more ways to search and more ways to find exactly what you're looking for with the real Yellow Pages, YP.com, and YP.com on your mobile, only from AT&T. What's up, everyone? This is Keith from the Geek, Skeezers, and Googleization show powered by Jobvite. Jobvite knows career paths are made by people, not by open job requisitions. Jobvite's platform ties recruitment marketing directly to applicant tracking and onboarding, creating continuous candidate engagement that effectively connects recruiters with qualified passive candidates. Used by over 50,000 recruiters placing over 1 million jobs, Jobvite's platform impacts every company in every industry. Check us out at jobvite.com. Listen carefully. Up to 9 out of 10 job candidates visiting your company career page leave before completing an application. You heard that right. 90% of candidates who want to apply for a job at your company don't. That's just plain crazy, especially in today's tight labor market. Candidate experience matters. Stop turning candidates away. Let Success Performance Solutions help. Call us at 800-803-4303 or register at successperformancesolutions.com slash W4CY. Schedule a no-obligation consultation and get special access to insider tips to recruit faster and hire smarter. Back to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. This is Ira Wolf. I'm with uh, Keith Capagna again. And uh, we got our guest, Rebecca Weaver and Nicolette Hawking from uh, HR Uprise. And we've been talking about the Me Too movement and HR. Uh, certainly, over, I don't want to go too far down the political trail with this um, because we want people to, of, of all parties, to, to keep listening. We want a diverse group and want to include everyone. Uh, but uh, obviously, uh, center stage was uh, sexual harassment um, a couple weeks ago. National stage, millions and millions of people were watching the hearings. Um, there's a lot uh, been in the news uh, over the past for you uh, four months. Uh, actually, I guess for a year. Uh, talking, especially in the entertainment industry. Uh, so I guess my question is, is that you know, just to get your comments or thoughts, and and was um, you know, do you think what happened with the uh, Judge Kavanaugh's uh, or Justice Kavanaugh's, I guess now, um, uh, nomination or, or selection to the Supreme Court was that whole episode? Is that gonna is that gonna help? Is it gonna hurt? It certainly brought awareness. What do you think? I think it certainly um, showed, and especially the, the outcome showed, how much work we still have to do. Um, <clears throat> one of the things we've talked about um, as we have talked to HR audiences about harassment is this idea of believing one lone voice um, and how much additional corroborating evidence is required. And this is where it's really, really important to make the distinction between the legal definition of harassment and what is just simply unacceptable behavior within your workplace. Um, and again, this is where I think traditional views of HR 
tend to stick just to the legal definition of harassment. Um, and again, it's very, very specific. Um, it covers very specific people, which again, we could go down that rabbit hole about who it doesn't cover. Um, but it's a very, very specific definition. To be honest, the bar is pretty high um, to be able for things to reach the level of legal harassment. At the end of the day, though, um, if uh, HR teams are only focusing on the legal definition, our message is you're only doing the bare minimum. There is a ton of behavior uh, that happens between employees, whether it's on the job or off, that is totally unacceptable and contributes to a very difficult workplace um, and a very inappropriate workplace environment um, that comes nowhere near the legal definition. And yet HR really should be looking at the whole picture. So I think as I watched all of the, the hearings, um, those are some of the things that really stood out to me, um, that there may not be corroborating evidence um, for something that happens, certainly sexual assault. We see this frequently with harassment as well. When people come forward, um, there's frequently not another witness um, or you know, some other evidence to support um, this, the person, the victim's story. Um, and that's usually by design. Most of the time, if someone is actively harassing someone, they're looking for opportunities not to have witnesses around. Um, and so I think that's really, really important that just because there isn't um, existing corroborating evidence, if you will, it doesn't mean mm -hmm. that it didn't happen. I think one of the really uh, inspiring things that, that we found out of it, because it's, it's very easy to um, get frustrated uh, with, with the whole entire process and the outcome, but um, I think one of the positive things that we saw come out of it was just this, um, we truly think that courage um, is contagious. And um, regardless of the outcome, we and so many others were inspired just by the story and, and the sheer strength um, and vulnerability and courage that it took um, for Dr. Ford to stand up and share her story um, and just to be truly authentic to herself. And so for us, um, we found a lot of power in when Rebecca and I are just newly to a place where we're sharing our stories. We have had our own Me Too experiences. We have been a part of um, discrimination in the workplace before. NHR is oftentimes the story keeper, not the storyteller. And so I think that just really encouraged us to continue to tell our story and to provide that courage to others where maybe they just don't have it. I'm curious, uh, where do you see a good step one within organizations to help address this very difficult challenge. You know, you mentioned how there's no witnesses and that's just the, the, by design for these kind of scenarios. What kind of message or where, what can you tell uh, our, our listening audience in terms of a good first step or what have you seen happening that's been able to produce some sort of positive momentum in the right direction? So one of the things that we've done um, internally within the company I work for um, it was, it didn't actually start out to be this way, but we found that it was one of the most important conversations we've had with our team. We literally just opened it up for our team. We set up a mechanism for them to send in their anonymous, their questions anonymously if they chose. Um, and then we collected the questions that our team had been asking us individually. And we, we scheduled a meeting on the heels of a termination scheduled a meeting that we called Company Culture in the Era of Me Too. And we opened it up for our team. We said, what do you want to know? What is it that you want to talk about? What are you concerned about? 
Um, what are you thinking about? Let's just open up this dialogue with our team. And it was, it actually became a series of meetings. Um, and what we found through that, um, first of all, were things that, again, we weren't, we weren't anticipating. Um, for, for us who have worked in HR for years and years and have probably been parts of, you know, a part of hundreds of investigations over time, the investigation process is sort of second nature to us. But it was one of the things that, for a lot of our employees, it felt like a mystery. What happens when somebody comes forward? What is the process? Um, how do you make decisions? Especially if you don't have you know, supporting evidence or another witness, what happens? And so we went through the entire process and explained it to them and just opened it up. Um, they wanted to know things like, um, it was a lot of what-if scenarios. What if something happens outside of work? What if something happens um, on the weekend? What if it's not here, but it happens to be between a boss and a manager, or a manager and a, and a direct report? Um, so it's all of those kinds of things. And we, again, we made it an open dialogue with the team. We said, okay, here's some of the principles that we would look through. So we talked about power dynamics and how that comes into play. But we set the context for them, and then we had an open conversation and a dialogue about it. Well, what do you think? You know, if something happens outside of work, what do you think should happen? Um, you know, is that something that we would allow? Is that something, is that behavior that we want from our fellow employees? And what it ended up being, though, this was the part that was a very pleasant surprise for us, was that it ended up being a mechanism for us to get our group to sort of agree um, internally, um, and it ended up being a form of what's now referred to as either bystander training, or I prefer the term ally training. Um, and essentially it was that. It was let's agree to sort of a code of conduct with each other about what's acceptable and what's not. And then we said before everybody left the room, you now have a very clear picture of what you think is acceptable and what's not, and at the very least what that context should be and what would matter. So now you know that if you see something that makes you question or makes you scratch your head or you think is potentially inappropriate, you have to say something. And what we've really found is that investing in these concepts of ally training um, will, are far, far, far more valuable and far more effective than traditional harassment training. So one, so one of the things that you said um, just a few minutes ago, you know, while we started out the segment talking about corroborating evidence. So, you know, obviously there's, and courage is huge, and you got to give, um, you know, Dr. Ford a lot of credit for doing that, um, and, and any other, and any other uh, victim. Um, but, you know, what happens when somebody doesn't feel like they're going to be believed? I mean, what what's a Kind of what's a first step, and maybe you just address that with the, uh, you know, with that conversation. But it's still going to be difficult. So if, if there's somebody listening that has been, um, you know, harassed uh, or or beyond uh, even assaulted, um, you know, what what can they do? How how do they prepare? What's the first thing uh, that they need to do? I, that is such a loaded question, and I could go down so many different directions of that. I love it. No, pick a path. Yeah, well, the important. <laughs> it's such a great question to ask, and I. It's so funny. I was having this conversation um, with my husband uh, the other night when I when I'm thinking about um, Dr. Ford, who is a doctor. She is. We can't not acknowledge the fact that she is white um, and that she has a certain amount of privilege that comes with that. And so we, we need to be able to acknowledge that 
um, even her, someone who um, others would look at as being in a position of power, having title, having status, having privilege, and her still not being believed. Um, could you imagine if you were someone else who was in a minority group who didn't have the type of um, support that she had, and how would they even begin to feel comfortable sharing their story and having any inkling of being believed? And so I think that was another really big thing that we saw was we have to have these people in these positions of privilege telling their stories first in other to somewhat normalize it um, for others who are in a minority or a marginalized class. But I think the first thing is um, to go to someone hopefully that would be supportive. So what we say in the workplace is maybe your first step is in HR and that's okay, um, but is there an ally or is there someone at work that you could talk to first and say, hey, this is happening. Have you experienced it? Um, tell me your thoughts. A trusted advisor that you have at work that you could talk to first. Um, we oftentimes hear from employees that that was their first step. Um, and oftentimes, that particular individual is the one that comes forward on behalf um, of the person who was actually harassed or a victim. So if you can't go to HR, you don't feel like you can go to leadership, um, see if you can't speak to someone that you trust within your organization first. And that brings us, awesome. uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, we're going to come back because I got about a dozen other questions here, so we're down that rabbit hole. <laughs> um, but we are up against another break. We want to, uh, again, uh, give a few minutes to our sponsors, Success Performance Solutions and Jobvite. Uh, we're talking to uh, Rebecca Weaver and Nicolette Hawking today on the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. We're talking about the Me Too movement and HR and companies and harassment. Uh, and uh, can't wait to get back. So we'll be back in just about two minutes and uh, we'll take you out to the break. The YP.com website is your local search engine. If you're looking for a good restaurant, it can help you find the right one nearby with ratings and reviews. Or if your car breaks down, you can use the YP app to find the closest repair shop. Or maybe you're just looking for something to do on a Friday night. Well, it has great local coupons for all sorts of things in your area. No matter what, when, or where, if you're looking for something, YP Local Search can help you find it. So go to YP.com or download the app to search local, find local, and save local. What's up, everyone? This is Keith from the Geek, Skeezers, and Googleization show, powered by Jobvite. Jobvite knows career paths are made by people, not by open job requisitions. Jobvite's platform ties recruitment marketing directly to applicant tracking and onboarding, creating continuous candidate engagement that effectively connects recruiters with qualified passive candidates. Used by over 50,000 recruiters placing over 1 million jobs, Jobvite's platform impacts every company in every industry. Check us out at jobvite.com. Listen carefully. Up to 9 out of 10 job candidates visiting your company career page leave before completing an application. You heard that right. 90% of candidates who want to apply for a job at your company don't. That's just plain crazy, especially in today's tight labor market. Candidate experience matters. Stop turning candidates away. Let Success Performance Solutions help. Call us at 800-803-4303 or register at successperformancesolutions.com slash W4CY. Schedule a no-obligation consultation and get special access to insider tips to recruit faster and hire smarter. 
again to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show here with Ira Wolf and Keith Compagna and our guests today are Rebecca Weaver and Nicolette Hawking from HR Uprise. We're talking about uh, Me Too movement and uh, HR. Uh, over the break, we, we didn't stop talking, so we went right into it and uh, we had a, I got to put a crush on it and say, hey, hold the answer until we're back. So Keith, I'm going to turn it over to you. You had, you had a great question and uh, before I let uh, Rebecca and Nicolette uh, even get a word out, I, I put a halt to that because I wanted to hear what it was. I wanted everybody to hear what they had to say about it. So yeah. go for yeah. it. Thanks, buddy. You know, it, the, the show here is the, the theme is the future of work. And uh, I'm curious to find out what, what the, the, the two of them are seeing as it relates to the younger generations in the workforce. There seems to be so much more power in the youth today, than, and it's extending out of college into the 20s, into the 30s. And I'm curious to find out what it is that uh, Rebecca and Nicolette are seeing and, and maybe even just starting the conversation with the, the younger, stronger, independent uh, men and women that are, are trying to make the, the bad habits of the past uh, a thing of the past for good. And, and what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I love that question. I was literally just listening to um, an NPR uh, podcast on this last night, and it came up where there was these three candidates, um, all different uh, generationals that were running for midterm elections in different states. There was a 24-year-old, a 37-year-old, and a 55-year-old. And the 24-year-old at one point said, um, one of them was a previous uh, military retiree, and the 24-year-old said, I don't know what the don't ask, don't tell policy is. I've never heard of it. And it just made me think, Wow, that is so powerful in so many ways. You could take it in a way of saying, don't forget history, but for me, it just made me think, oh my gosh, this, this generation is growing up in unlimited information and access where we did not have that before, which automatically puts them in a leg up. And being able to have that mentality of not knowing what the don't ask, don't tell is, and that could forge over into so many other topics. Um, but yes, you're absolutely right that they just automatically think that they have the ability to make change and impact change. It's just the mentality. There isn't a, we can't do it, it's why can't we do it? Why aren't we doing it? You look at any of those um, those young students who mobilized after the school shooting and everything that they were able to accomplish. I can't help but think that that's something that is, is happening with this power of information and technology that absolutely will change the future. I think it's something too for someone um, like myself who is a Gen Xer, so a, a later generation. Um, I think one of the things that's really important for us to think about as well as this new generation comes up and those that will come after, um, it's a huge responsibility that we have um, to, because, because the younger generations have such ubiquitous access to information, um, it, is, it, it shapes the way they think about things and it's up to us, um, especially those of us who are in leadership positions to ensure that the access to information they have is good information, that it is that we are making solid decisions, that we are taking a stand for the things that are important to do. Um, 
especially when it requires courage. And so as I think about that, it feels like a huge responsibility for, for us in leadership positions as well as this new generation is coming up and um, working their way into leadership positions. Um, let's give them a much better um, sense of what is right and what's wrong um, and what really is required in the workplace. So, th so there seems to be this underlying tone um, in a little bit about a lot, you know, certainly from the locker room talk, uh, you know, we've always done it, that's the way it is, um, to a little bit of a backlash on uh, political correctness, um, you know, on the other end of the extreme. Uh, and you hear it, I mean, you know, just turn on any news show and there's a discussion about it. I mean, where where do you see that playing out? I mean, how, you know, what are the tips, I guess, you have for a company uh, that starts this discussion and you know you're going to have blowback on both sides of people are just too sensitive and, uh, you know, the, it's, uh, we, we can't be overly politically correct. I mean, Bill Maher always talks about that for anybody who watches Bill Maher. Um, and, but you can see both sides of it. I mean, what, what's your take on it? I mean, what, what's your tip for a company? How do they address that? I think one of the things that the Me Too movement over the past year um, has really done um, has it, it has changed this idea of what's acceptable and what's not. Um, there are some things that have never been acceptable. So the worst case scenarios, the Harvey Weinsteins and the Matt Lowers of the world, that behavior has never been acceptable. But it certainly has also given us pause um, and has certainly caused many of us to reevaluate past experiences. Um, you know, I think for each one of us, as we think back, whether it's a person in HR, whether it's somebody in a leadership role, thinking back on how they've interacted with fellow coworkers over the years, I would hazard a guess that any one of us would say, oh yeah, I really wish I could have done that over again. Um, and I think we all think about those do-overs. And what I don't think is healthy is injecting a massive amount of shame into that because I don't think it's super productive. Um, I think people shy away from ways they feel that, that people are attempting to shame them or past behavior. But what I do think is really, really critical is that self-reflection to say, yeah, this is something I wish I could do over. And now that I know better, I will do better going forward. So I think that's, that is sort of where I come down on, on that issue, that locker room talk is not acceptable. And it really hasn't ever been. But there have been too many of the, again, the bystanders um, who have not spoken up. Um, and I think what, what this Me Too movement has done is hopefully it has given many more of us the courage to stand up, to jump in, to whether it's on a small scale with a friend and saying, hey, you know, that is not, that's not an okay joke to tell in front of me, um, or that's just not an okay way to operate, um, to really big things like standing up and talking about their own experiences with harassment or assault. Um, it is and everything in between. But I think it's really, really important to, to think about um, how our understanding and our, our definitions of acceptable um, in society and in the workplace um, are changing. And now that we know better, it's up to all of us to do better. 
So, so go. I mean, obviously, a lot of this has to come from leadership at the top. Um, it's a culture. It certainly sets the tone of the culture, and that's going to be critically important, especially for companies that are looking to recruit and and retain the best people. Uh, but you know, HR has sort of been uh, you know viewed as the you know working for the company, you know, protecting the company, not the employee. Uh, how you know what? In order to to change that. What's the, you know, what's the takeaway? I mean, if I'm the owner of a small business, but, you know, if you're a VP of a large organization, what's, what's that first conversation look like uh, to, to get that change away that HR is there also to protect the employees? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think something that's really important for, for HR to know, and we mentioned this earlier, is this uh, right to, to not remain silent. Um, we would be doing our companies and our leadership a disservice if we didn't um, escalate and bring up the issues that are plaguing our employees um, around safety in the workplace. Um, we're doing more harm to our organizations by not bringing it up and being complicit than we are to bring it up. So I would say first step is to speak up. Um, for sure. And the other thing that, that I would say, too, is um, there's this, this traditional notion that culture starts from, from the top uh, down. And, and I would challenge that a little bit and say it starts with your climate. And your climate is what then collectively creates your culture. And your climate is affected by every interaction that your employees have with each other on a daily basis. We talk a lot about being an ally and selecting doing these collective rules of engagement um, and this whole concept of civility and not necessarily about what you shouldn't be doing but how you should be acting. And that comes from your employees and everyone around you saying, gosh, that joke was not okay and all of a sudden that person doesn't say it anymore. And that's creating your climate which then in turn affects your culture. A lot of the times now you see um, it, it very much is a trickle up and not your traditional trickle down. So we've been talking with uh, Rebecca Weaver and Nicolette Hawking from uh, Up, HR Uprise uh, for for the show. Uh, we've been talking about the Me Too movement and HR. Um, if someone, you know, if someone needs to contact you, if they have questions, I mean, I we, you know, Keith and I would be doing a disservice if we said that we even scratched the surface on this subject today. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's just so much more to go to. So hopefully, uh, you know, this will be a starting point for a lot of organizations, a lot of people, uh, maybe a lot of victims even to get the courage to step up. Um, you know, how, how do they contact you? What do you tell us a little bit about what you guys do? And, uh, and, uh, you know, so if somebody wants to reach out. Absolutely. Well, our original social channel was Instagram and that is still one of the best places to kind of visit and see what it is we are saying about HR's role. So come find us on Instagram at HR Uprise. Uh, we're on most of the other social channels at HR Uprise as well. Um, you can find us at hruprise.com, but we would love to hear from business leaders, from HR leaders, um, from non-business uh, people within um, any type of industry. We have heard from such a wide variety. And one of the things that strikes us as we're either doing speaking engagements or follow-ups to interviews and podcasts like this is that just we hear this overwhelming need for people to tell their stories. So we are definitely a safe place for that. 
Um, we can certainly help work through um, and give advice and consult um, as well on what the best next steps are in the way forward. Um, but yeah, those are the best places to find us. Yeah. And I will put up your, uh, when we uh, post this live I, uh, on the on the blog and on the podcast, I'll include your uh, both of your LinkedIn addresses so people can connect with you there as well. Great. So any, any final words of wisdom? Uh, again, we, both Keith and I really appreciate you being here. What a, what a great topic. So timely and, uh, you know, certainly wish you the best of luck. And, uh, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to have you back. But any final words of wisdom here? Yeah, what's next for you two? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess uh, my saying that I tell myself every day and I encourage others to do is just get uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think that's where it starts. Um, that's what creates the status quo is just continuing to remain in your comfort zone. So do one thing every day that makes you feel uncomfortable. Get curious. Ask questions. Don't stop talking. Get uncomfortable. Love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, excellent. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it Thank being you. here today. Hey, and Thank uh, you. hey, for everybody who's uh, been part of uh, the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show, we want to spend spend. We'd like to spend send not spend send a special thanks out to Jobvite. Uh, for being a sponsor, Success Performance Solution for being a sponsor, um, you know, check them out. Uh, and uh, we've got a couple good things coming up. I've got a couple opportunities um, for additional sponsors. If you're interested, just let me know. Uh, we're got a, I got a couple things going. Next week, uh, we've got Janine Woodworth from Jobvite. Uh, she's going to be visiting with us. Uh, Keith, you've had uh, a lot more conversations with her than I have. And uh, I think she's going to be talking about uh, lessons she's learned from working with a lot of talent acquisition organizations. Am I correct? Yes. There are a few people out there in the industry that have the kind of scope and experience that she brings to any conversation. You know, we've, we've talked about this plenty and I'm looking forward to having Janine on the show, but all things considered, you want to know where to step first and, and what course of action and course of direction you want to go in to change the way that your talent acquisition team can move into a more modern approach. Janine is the expert. Yes, and I, I'm certainly excited to, to have her on. And that's obviously what I talk about every every single day. Uh, I've also yep. added a couple tools. Uh, you know, I've mentioned this before, working on my Google for Jobs online video course should be out by the end of the month. Uh, but listening to a lot of the people uh, in, in some of my presentations. Uh, so I created a couple freebies. Uh, if you go up to the or to my website, uh, successperformancesolutions.com, and actually an easiest place is to uh, just click on the blog button. And on the upper right, there's a free download. Uh, it's of tools that you can use to check how well you're doing on Google for jobs or how to fix some things. Uh, I've created a guide. Uh, we're going to be able to post that up there too. Uh, if you want to get alerts and find out who the next the, the guests are for the next few weeks, uh, I will be putting a calendar up there in the next, uh, hopefully in the next few days. Uh, and we're pretty well booked, I think, through, uh, we, we've got people scheduled all the way through December. Uh, so you yep. can see who else is on the show. Anybody who's interested in being on the show, let us know. Uh, but if you go to uh, successperformancesolutions.com forward slash Geek Skeezers Googleization Podcast. Now that's a mouthful. Um, you can, uh, we'll, we'll be on the mailing list and we'll send you alerts as it goes there. Uh, or if you just drop me an email, I'll send um, all the links in a, in a single email. 
uh, back to you, and uh, that that may be the easiest one. So, so Keith, uh, final words. What are your thoughts on today, and what's going on? Well, first and foremost, I I'm so grateful for Nicolette and Rebecca's time and, and thoughts. Uh, many thanks to the, in that regard. Also, if you're looking to contact IRME, there's always LinkedIn. Check us out or touch base with us there. And, and the part here that just absolutely fascinates me, and it goes back to something we talked about, I think, every week, and that's the reality is that supply and demand of, of available positions and qualified people does not favor the employers. And something like this and the topics that we discussed are so inherently about human behavior I think it's going to be fascinating to watch certain companies that bite into this and get out of their comfort zone and see that if they promote the right kind of communication and the right kind of climate and how, I'm not sure if it was Rebecca or Nicolette had mentioned it, climate will move to culture change. And with that, the word will spread fast. The younger people, the people that want to be involved in a, with passion are going to go to the companies that drive the better culture anymore. The employers simply don't have a choice. So it'll be curious to see what those male dominated industries like maybe software development play a role into this versus maybe nursing where it historically favors female employees. I'm fascinated with it. I hope that at some point, I'm sure the two of them are going to be real busy, but I'd love to get them back on the show in a couple months and see how the progress is going. And that may be a great question. You know, I came from healthcare and there's certainly been a, a lot going on there, but, um, but you're right. I mean, nursing's 98% uh, female and uh, it might be a little bit less now, um, but, uh, you know, wondering how much reverse uh, harassment there, there may be in that case. So lots to talk about. Uh, so anyway, we're, this is Keith. Keith uh, Compagna, uh, I'm Ira Wolf, uh, the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. Uh, we're on Wednesday, every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time Live on W4CY.com. Uh, st- you can catch us on iHeartRadio podcast. And until next week with our guest, uh, Janine Woodworth, uh, we'll be talking about talent acquisition. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>